I think of Amazon as a gigantic department store with half of it being a farmer's market. It's basically if you took, you know, a Walmart and you put up a bunch of booths where people were selling their own stuff, except they were sold by Walmart employees. Amazon sells a lot of their own stuff, but they also sell things for businesses who want to sell their products on Amazon. So people think they're their competition, but they're actually an amazing tool that you can use as a business to get your products to more people. This podcast is sponsored by Klaviyo, the email and text marketing platform that puts D2C brands in control. If you're the leader of a D2C brand, you need a platform that hustles as hard as you do. Klaviyo unlocks the power of your e-commerce data so you can personalize and automate messages that keep customers coming back. D2C brands communicate with Klaviyo. Start for free at klaviyo.com DTC. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot DTC. Hello and welcome to All Killer No Filler. I'm Eric and today I'm here with the Pilot House Amazon team. We've got Rob and Clifford and we've decided to just have a quick chat about rookie mistakes for Amazon sellers. Like if you've ever seen the movie Super Troopers where uh, Farva is just, you know, making fun of that rookie. We just want to make sure that if you're a rookie Amazon seller out there, you're not making any of these like cardinal sins. Uh, Welcome to the uh, All Killer No Filler show today, guys. How you doing? Good. Good. Yeah. Who's going to start off with the uh, the number one thing that they think that rookies need to avoid on uh, on Amazon? I'm going to let Clifford kick it off because he wrote an article on this, actually. <laughs> yeah, so I think the number one thing, which applies to most businesses who mainly aren't selling on Amazon, is thinking that Amazon is your competition. And we see this a lot. Uh, this even made it in the, I think it was the, National Post or Globe and Mail, some national uh, newspaper in Canada where someone was demonizing Amazon as their main competition. Um, I use this analogy a lot and I will continue to come back to it because I like it. Uh, And it's how I explain what I do to my mom is (laughs) I think of Amazon as a gigantic department store with half of it being a farmer's market. It's basically if you took, you know, a Walmart and you put up a bunch of booths on one side where people were selling their own stuff, uh, except they were sold by Walmart employees. <laughs> that's, that's what Amazon is. Okay, because Amazon sells a lot of their own stuff, which is bought wholesale and then sold through their website. But they also sell a bunch of other stuff outside of that. So they, they sell things for Amazon sellers or for, for businesses who want to be and sell their products on Amazon. So people think they're their competition, but they're actually an amazing, useful tool that you can use as a business to get your products to more people, an amazing sales channel, really. And so what do you do to, to, what do, you do to overcome that? Like, is it sort of about proving that these sales wouldn't have happened otherwise? in a way, or like, do you have data on, on the, how much incremental lift you're getting in terms of sales when you, when you tackle Amazon? I think it's just recognizing the fact that your competition isn't Amazon. Your competition is the brands who are already on Amazon. So if you're selling towels, Amazon's not your competition, but the other brands selling DTC towels on Amazon are. So you're missing out on the people who are going to Amazon to buy your item versus like if you're just thinking of like, oh, Amazon's like a demon out there, then that's, 
You're just missing out on the sales. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Amazon is, is your friend, not your competition. Uh, and it's amazing. I'm sure you guys run into all the time because we we work with brands on the Facebook side and all these other traffic sources. I'm probably you're, you're probably surprised sometimes by the brands that are coming to you that don't yet have like a really sussed out presence on on Amazon. Are you are you finding that you're surprised by that sometimes? Yeah, sometimes. And some a lot of brands treat it uh, as something we see commonly, actually, which isn't necessarily a, an overly bad thing because they is they come to us and they've set up Amazon, but they did it a while ago. They didn't put a lot of effort into it and they just sort of left it there. And it's been ticking along getting some sales, but now they're realizing that, oh, this actually like needs a lot of work and needs expertise and needs a whole depth of knowledge to make it scale. Uh, and then they come to us and we're able to sort of jump in there and take it to the next level. Is thinking Amazon is your, your competition, is that something that just blocks people from even just putting any energy into it at all? Or does it also hamper them like with their approach on Amazon? Do people kind of still take a guarded approach when on Amazon sometimes? I would say a lot, most of the time, it'll be that they just don't sell on Amazon at all. And they avoid it kind of like the plague and they act like it's fully their competition. Like it's just another, they're, they're just selling competitor products. But like Rob said, I think most of the time, your competitor brand that you're used to competing against just happens to also sell on Amazon. So I don't think it usually affects their approach. I think some brands might be scared that Amazon's going to knock off their products because they do that sometimes. But I think that's if you start to become a successful DTC brand at all, yes, Amazon might not have the data from you being on their platform, but they're already aware of you and ready to knock off your products anyways. I think that's fair. Oh, well, it's not fair, it's, but it is what it is. Uh, okay, so that's the number one thing that people are uh, you know, getting wrong about getting into Amazon. Then once they're actually in Amazon, what, what do you have here as your, as your second biggest rookie mistake that people are making as Amazon sellers? The one I like to call out is actually kind of funny because it's following Amazon's best practices. Uh, and by that, I mean not best practices to sell on Amazon, but the best practices from Amazon that they'll give you in, in terms of how to sell. And to get an idea of this, you can go to like any traditional um, CPG company, for the most part, if you go to Amazon and look, they'll be sold by what's called Am Vendor Central. So that's where you sell wholesale to Amazon and Amazon resells the product. Vendor Central listings are very typically set up with Amazon's best practices. So they're have titles that aren't keyword optimized. They have bullets that aren't keyword optimized. They're not maximizing their A plus content. They're not um, maximizing their image placements or their videos. And it's very lackluster um, and just not an approach put into enlisting. So if you follow those guidelines to the T when you set up your seller central listings, they're just not gonna be good. Jeff, are you listening? Mr. Bezos, why isn't Amazon putting their best foot forward and you know utilizing their own tool to its maximum? Like, why would they be putting listings in that don't have proper, you know, properly SEO titles and things? I think it's just an effort standpoint. Like, yeah, they assume they'll sort of get the sale anyway. I don't know if Clifford's got more to say on that. But. Yeah, I think they're usually better for the consumer. Like a lot of the time, Amazon's best practices are better for the consumer. They're not clogged. Like a properly optimized Amazon listing is not usually that pretty to look at or read because it is stuffed with a lot of text. Yes, it might be useful text if you do a good job selling your product, but you know, a, a really something done to Amazon's best practices 
although it might not be optimized for ranking on their algorithm, can still, like, I think it does fit a nice, like, it does look really clean from the consumer perspective, but Amazon's algorithm is what it is, and it's built to to grab keywords, so you kind of have to take advantage of that if you want to compete against every other seller who is taking advantage of that. In preparation for this, I was going over some of the you know common things you'll find on the web that maybe uh, people are saying are you know rookie mistakes when it comes to Amazon selling. And one of the ones that kept coming out was sort of was kind of the opposite of this, which was that people often will run afoul of of Amazon's rules early on, and they won't. Uh, and so, how do you guys? Uh, for, first of all, what are some of these rules that rookie sellers might find themselves running afoul of? And then, what's your take on how to deal with the actual uh, like regulations on the platform? So regulations you do have to follow to an extent. Um, some easy ones to, to get wrong are like, so your hero image has to be on a plain white background. Uh, it's not supposed to have any badges or props, um, additional things in it that aren't included in the package. Uh, that one you can sort of, you can play with to an extent, but uh, they've gotten pretty hard on like on badges and stuff like that recently. Your listing just gets suppressed and then you change your image and then it goes back up. So it's not a big deal. Uh, you're not supposed to capitalize the first chunk of bullets. Um, we do doesn't get caught. Uh, again, it's not a big risk, but that's something that can get flagged. Uh, same thing with using emojis and bullets. Um, typically we do use them, not, it is breaking a rule, but it doesn't really get flagged much. Um, it's similar to the relation to the, to these best practices as well, right? Where it's like, you can, you can put your toes over the line for some increased performance, but it may not be the thing that they want to suggest to the masses. Mm -hmm. And that can go farther where if you go too far by trying to uh, go outside of it too far and use things uh, like there's a lot of, uh, I'll call them trigger words that <laughs> will, will trigger Amazon's bots to immediately take down your listing. So if you say things like antimicrobial or antibacterial or in any way insinuate or use an ingredient name that might be an antibiotic or a drug of any sort or anything like that, your listing is immediately gone and it's difficult to get it back up as well a lot of the time. Like we, we now have a pesticide trained buyer because uh, at one point one of our listings got flagged as a pesticide for using some specific ingredient word. Uh, they definitely were not a pesticide, but the only way to get it back up was for him to literally take the pesticide training course that Amazon has to be able to actually get the listing fixed. He had to get approved to sell in pesticides, even though he was just trying to get it out of, but to get to that section, he had to do the training. So it was just ridiculous. Wow. What, what other categories do people really need to be careful around using language from? Um, adult. That was a bit like... We had a, a paddle product get flagged as an adult product, but it was like a it was for, it was like a sporting paddle, not a not an adult paddle. <laughs> that was a bit hard because I don't think it was a particular word that like immediately flagged it, but it was just the bots misclassified it, so we had to get it back. What's the stance on Amazon on CBD right now? Do you guys know? I, I remember when I was in, in CBD a couple of years ago, it was I think people were, were sneaking it through in some ways, but it was definitely not supposed to be available. Yeah, there's lots of people selling it, uh, but we won't touch it because it's pretty easy to get, like 
you can put in a whole bunch of effort and it can just disappear overnight. Just like the farmers who show up at the farmer's market to sell their CBD cream, right? They, they, they can't control all of the farmers always that show up to the farmer's market. Mm -hmm. 100%. <laughs> in this metaphor, nice. Uh, okay, <laughs> Clifford, what about, uh, you've got a point here that people, like rookies, do rookies even get into Amazon PPC? Uh, is, is my question. And, and what do you recommend for rookie sellers going into the Amazon PPC environment? Yeah, there's, there's like tiers of Amazon PPC knowledge, I think, where you'll start out and you'll just run auto campaigns and some like broad match of your main keywords for your product. And you just kind of let that run. You move maybe some search terms around and, and that's like your PPC setup. Um, from there, people will make campaigns that are in different exact match, phrase match, broad match, and they separate those out. And that's kind of the extent of it. And then beyond that is having some really strict campaign structure and organization. Um, and that allows you two things. One is really separating out and being able to judge your performance and have different goals and, you know, ROAS goals or, uh, you know, different performance goals for each campaign separately, depending on what it's targeting and what it's advertising. Um, and then also just getting an idea of not, not just the, the performance of it, but being able to separate out like your budgets and bids and whatnot based on what it's advertising and what it's targeting. Um, a big one that we see all the time, literally all the time, uh, from the smallest brand to the largest brands is they don't separate out their branded uh, keywords or branded um, their own products either when they're doing either their targeting or their campaigns at all. So we'll see a lot when we're auditing potential clients that a lot of their campaign success that they think they're having, that they have this amazing ROAS or whatnot, is a lot of it just driven by their own keywords that they could have had a much more efficient campaign running there with much more efficient bids if they would have separated that out. So you would have been able to, in theory, bid lower for your own branded keywords and then bid more aggressively on, on you know broader keywords? Exactly. Yeah. These are some great high level uh, things that we need to be aware of as newbie uh, Amazon sellers. What are some of the like boneheaded things that can go wrong when it comes to some of the nitty gritty of, of setting up Amazon selling? So there's some fun ones. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of the, one of the things you have to do often on Amazon is things don't work and you have to use a feed file, which is this like gigantic Excel file filled with every attribute of a product, like a bulk file if you're uploading lots of products, but it has like a little bit more precedence. But if you have multiple sellers inside your Amazon account, if you have the wrong one selected on a different tab and you upload that file, those products will go to that wrong one that you now uploaded and now you will have a account with the products from the other account. Uh, I'm not going to say that this has happened, but this is just something that can possibly happen if you uh, don't have the right thing selected. Specifically on, this is going to affect more agency listeners than it will brands because most brands will be having their own, their own account that they're not making these, these yeah, errors. That on. One for the, but um, I could imagine, I bet anyone listening who's had that happen to them is probably just going like, oh my God, that was some, some terrible pain. Yeah, yeah, that one for sure. So what about with your A-plus store? What are, what are mistakes that people make with their A-plus content and store? Using boastful marketing language. Uh, this one's a hard one to get around because like, you – you do want to, as marketers and as 
trying to consumer marketers and trying to write compelling copy, you do want to be boastful and sell your product. Um, but if you get too boastful, it's not going to get approved. So trying to walking that line with uh, with your A plus content is a, a bit of an art. Um, so yeah, take, what's the line between boast and you know and marketing in a way? Well, you can't make and also claims like if you say like the best, they're going to be like, how do you prove that? Uh, and uh, yeah, any other claims like that, you'll have to like make sure are cited. So if you actually do have claims uh, that are backed up by research papers or research or whatever, then you can provide that or link out to it um, and then use those claims. And then what, we have one other point here to discuss about the nitty gritty of, of Amazon issues. Uh, what are we? What are some of the mistakes people make around Amazon inventory labeling and support? So. I've put in our notes here that uh, expecting them to use common sense is probably the biggest mistake you could make because they will not. Uh, so everything that you do that will end up being in some way seen or need to be dealt with by someone at either an Amazon warehouse or by someone in Amazon support or reviewing your stuff, you need to act like it's getting sent to a five-year-old because that is how it will be treated. So... Uh, we've paid them for, you know, labeling services or certain, you know, we'll put a box inside another box and expect them to know to open that. And just like so many different things like this, that seems so simple and so obvious, uh, they'll just fully mislabel products that very clearly have the name of the product on the sticker that they're putting on it. And they're putting it on the wrong one. That's in the same box as the other one that they're supposed to be putting it on. So Literally, anytime you expect them to use common sense, that is a mistake. You should never do that and write everything with very, very clear instructions. I was just talking about on the podcast this week with Chase Diamond about just with, with customers and this idea of explain it to me like I'm five, which I think is from a, my cousin Vinny. I think that's from that movie originally. But this, but that's, you know, when, whether it's when you're directing people to your CTAs or what, whatever it is you're doing on the, on the page, like that sort of mentality of just, you can't really underestimate how simple you should be making things, whether it's in your, your marketing language or in how you deal with Amazon. Yeah, no, very, very true. And on inventory, very clearly record what you send to Amazon in what boxes, like packing slips, like make it look official. Uh, because if then you do run into any of these inventory issues, having the paper trail to prove to Amazon that it's like, no, 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 no. We did it right. You did it wrong. Uh, goes a long way to making that process a bit smoother. Yeah, take a selfie with the UPS driver holding the packing slip in his hand that you signed to show, look, I swear he has it. It has all the right stuff in it. Because if, if you don't have that, then it's good luck getting your money back for the box that Amazon lost. How do you guys optimize? Because I know reviews are such a huge deal uh, for, for social proof on Amazon. How do you guys optimize to get more reviews on, on sales that you make? We, so there's... There's the above board way to do it and there's the gray area way to do it. Um, we don't do the gray area ourselves um, purely because it can get your account banned. The best way to get good reviews on Amazon is to sell a good product uh, and then sell a lot of it. Um, as far as you can, there's tools that automate the request or review button. Um, so that's like within an order, you can click request or review after a certain time and Amazon sends a template, templated email. That's a great way to just incite a review. 
Uh, but again, it's not incentivized in any way. So you completely run the risk of someone leaving a bad review. Uh, so that again, that comes back to product quality. Um, the Vine program is a great program to use, providing you've got a product that generally gets good reviews. So if you've got a product that is sort of like has mixed results that some people like and some people don't, uh, then the Vine program is risky because again, people aren't uh, encouraged to leave a positive review, just a review. Uh, but that said, you do have some honesty come through those reviews, which is nice because they're not like overly positive. So they might write like a four star review and write a whole bunch of good things and say one thing they didn't like. That's actually okay because it it's, um, it's real. Like it's someone who actually thought about it and, and wrote it down. And if they give reasons for it, there's a, th- that reason could not be affecting a huge percentage of people, right? Be like, oh, I wouldn't mind that, you know, if that was the thing they didn't like about it. Clifford, last time we spoke, you gave me a recommendation to get into. Sorry, you have a valuable point before I was going to go off into something weird. Uh, yeah, about a year ago now, probably. Um, Amazon used to, and it used to be a very common strategy for sellers, is use a lot of software tools and follow up like flow uh, basically like like an email flow after someone bought a product because you were allowed to send messages to buyers of your product afterwards. But Amazon heavily restricted that and stopped you from even including a picture of your product or the title of it or linking to anything. So that's why we just basically straight up use that template where you just literally just send out the Amazon email. And don't bother with that because it's so restrictive that you basically can't say anything anymore anyways. But that used to be. So if anyone's like thinking that, well, why not send that big email flow? It's like that used to very much be the case is you would send like two or three follow-up emails. Of, Here's a great way to use your new product. Here's some ebook that explains it and all these things. Uh, you cannot do that anymore. You'll just get straight up like full banned from messaging any buyers at all very quickly. The other thing is um, lots of people do is inserts. So like product inserts, um, you've got to be really careful with the language you put on there and you've got to, you can't say put an insert in and give a 20% discount code for the first time they purchase something off your like Shopify store. Um, that's a no, no from Amazon. And they apparently do check those things occasionally. Um, but you can put an insert, make sure you follow the guidelines and sort of, even just from a customer service perspective, like putting an insert in there says like, hey, reach out if there's any issues or contact our customer support team if you have any problems. Like just something nice like that can prevent someone from leaving a bad review. Uh, now onto the weird stuff, Cliff. Uh, when last we spoke, you turned me on to the Bo Burnham album uh, and I just have had that Jeffrey Bezos song stuck in my head ever since. I don't think we talked about Jeff Bezos going to space or any of that stuff. What were, how did you guys like his speech when he came back from space? I mean, he didn't really go to space though, right? He kind of like... That's true, good just, point. Like, like just the tip, right? <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, that really was. It, to me, I just was blown away by the... Yeah, some of the tone deafness of that. When he came back and was he screaming and just thanking all of his underpaid uh, Amazon employees for getting him there. It just seemed like a really interesting cultural moment. The fact that he just looked so much like Dr. Evil. I don't think anyone needs to draw that comparison. It's been, uh, you know, that horse has been beaten to death, but, but some wild times we live in. Yeah, no, that's a great point too, because when we mention, you know, don't expect the Amazon workers to use common sense, like you don't know when the last time they got to use the bathroom was, right? So you better, yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you send in your product to get labeled, you know, they might feel a little stressed out. So give them a break. Amen. Well, uh, any other recommendations for me? I know you're still listening to the Bull Burnham album constantly. I know Kanye comes out tomorrow. I'm very excited. Well, we'll see. Uh, I've been Lucy in the football before with Kanye, so we'll see if he he puts out his album. Anything else you guys are enjoying these days? 
Oh, I've been dabbling back into Mad Men a little bit just because it's hilarious to <laughs> to work in advertising and watch that and just be like, oh, the good old days. <laughs> I was just referencing Mad Men the other day. What It is an incredible show. I think I'm due for a rewatch on that as well. Mad Men is how we deal with all our problems with the agency. Anytime we have internal conflicts, we always there's always a Mad Men reference of how they dealt with this on Mad Men. Usually not the best solution, but a solution. Like that time they had to get that project done and they all took those vitamin B shots <laughs> tweaked out for 48 hours. That was a great episode <laughs> and got nothing accomplished as is often the case with tweakers. Anyway, thanks for coming on today, guys. You heard it here first. Do not make any of these rookie mistakes uh, and catch us in the newsletter. If you haven't already, go to directtoconsumer.co to subscribe to the newsletter. And if you want to work with the Pilot House team uh, to build out, whether it's your standalone Amazon store or any other uh, digital marketing-related task, make sure you go to pilothouse.co and fill out a form there. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumer, all one word, dot co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.